Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 116, listener supported. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. Back again, listener supported. I love it. That means we have a lot of questions being sent in. We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. Before we get rolling here, I do just want to reiterate that uh, Tom and I have recorded this episode a little bit in advance, so we're not going to address the uh, situation that's currently going on at Disney. Obviously, the parks are closed right now, but as this episode was previously recorded, we're going to uh, we're going to broadcast it as we originally intended, which means a lot of the questions were from listeners that uh, that had trips planned that uh, that are unfortunately canceled at this point. So just want to continue to uh, to send our thoughts and prayers to those impacted by this virus. And hopefully we'll get through this sooner rather than later. And uh, we'll all be ready to go back to Disney again. So with that, we will uh, go ahead and get started with the episode. I'd like to do one of these a month if we can. I mean, at, at this point, you know, we've we've been getting enough questions to do it the last couple of months. So yeah, you guys keep sending in your questions. And uh, we will keep uh, we'll keep answering them. Yeah, I think I think the only thing Pete and I worry about is we want to give you guys. We look at podcasts. We like to you like to have a podcast long enough that you can knock out some drive time with or knock out a workout with. So we do try to accrue enough questions that we feel like it's it substantiates an episode. And so we think we have it. That and that's if we can do that every every four weeks, that would be a really really good rhythm. Absolutely, there are no stupid questions. When it comes to Disney, right? Everybody's thought what you're thinking before. Is there a better way to do something? Is there a worse way to do something? Is there something I should skip? Again, we're not the consummate Disney experts, but we consider ourselves pretty well-versed, You know, especially compared to somebody that hasn't been there for five years, somebody that hasn't been there for 10 years. So there are no stupid questions. Please continue to ask them. We will answer. Let's pause for just a second to hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Alright, well let's roll right into these questions. Let's do this. So... First question we had sent in, a listener sent in and said, we were going to Disney with a meal plan, but we don't plan to use one of our quick service meals. 
I heard we can exchange these for snacks. What is the process for doing this? So I'm pretty sure that, and it's been a long time since I've had a meal plan at Disney World. I know this is possible to do. I'm pretty sure that if you redeem a quick service meal for a sna- for three snacks, that you have to get all three of those snacks right then, correct? That's my understanding. And I have done this when we've had an extra meal at the end of a trip or we've had, you know, I actually think you can go the other way too. Can't you go snack like four, three snacks for one quick service? I, I think you can. And, I, and I, I'm pretty sure that you can also go table service to quick service. And I, I don't know if it's two for one, like you can trade in a table service for two quick service. I think maybe the case, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But I know it is a three to, three to one redemption snack to, uh, to quick service meal. And, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm 99% sure that, uh, when you redeem these, you have to get all three of those snacks at one time. So you can't leave the snack credits on there to use, use later. Yeah. And just tell the cast member that's, that's checking you out what you're doing and they'll make sure to take care of it for you. If you have, if you have a quick service, they will get you squared away with that exchange for the snacks. But Pete is correct. You're going to have to take the total number of snacks when you do this transaction. Which that's kind of unfortunate, especially if you think you're at a food and wine festival or something like that. You know, and if you're trying to swap swap these this meal into three snacks, you've got to get all three of them at one booth. You can't spread gonna, it out. Yeah, if you're going to do that, what I would do is go to Disney Guest Relations and tell them, hey, ahead of time, we're not going to use this quick service. Is there any way you can translate it into three additional snacks? No guarantee. But if you go about it in a calm manner and, and you don't praise a scene, be very polite, I'm sure Disney will give you whether they give you three snack coupons, you know, kind of tickets, and then they take that 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 credit off your account, I I would assume Disney would work with you here if, if you knew ahead of time what you wanted to do. Yeah, they're they're pretty good about working with you. I remember we had a problem with with a with a quick service meal, and and they ended up just crediting us with some snacks on our uh, on our account. So it worked out well. So yeah, they'll work with you. I'm sure if you don't want to don't want to use all three at once, but that is a procedure. All right, so the next question, what are the best parks for a three-year-old and a four-year-old? What are some good rides for them? We're planning a trip in the coming year. So, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong. Our next episode is is actually going to be devoted to this, right? Yeah, I mean, I I am planning a trip with my – she's three now. She will be four or almost four when we go. So I'm planning a trip with a with a child in this age range. So, yeah, our our next episode is going to be about that that trip – yeah that trip planning process. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, you know, couple of couple of comments, you know, kids don't kids aren't able to do everything that adults do. Right? Obviously. So you need to take that into uh, into consideration with your planning. Kids need naps, kids needs more kids need more food, breaks, potty breaks, all that kind of stuff. So definitely take those into account, but uh, but we are going to do a full episode on this. It'll actually be our, our very next episode is uh, is going to be a trip planning for, for young children. I've never been with young children before, so but I am but I am planning a trip with a young child. I do know people that have taken young children, so I'm drawing on their vast trove of, of knowledge. But anybody else that does have experience with this, please feel free to send us some uh, some suggestions, and we'll we'll try to incorporate them into the episode. But We'll uh, we'll we'll put this one on hold for now, and we'll uh, we'll answer it more in depth next week. Yeah, the only thing I can add to that, I have not taken a small child to Disney. We we will do an in depth episode of this. Of and again, I've kind of taken opinions from other people and done some research on it. In short, I would tell you Magic Kingdom is probably the best park, aside from your hotel resort pool and uh, 
you know, uh, the little other play areas kids enjoy at Disney World. And what is a good ride for them? Dumbo. Dumbo is always a good ride for kids. It's still my uh, one of my favorite childhood memories, so I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this episode, and I'm sure I'll miss, mention it next episode as well. Little Tom loved Dumbo. Little Tom loved Little Tom. One day we'll have kids and take them on Dumbo, and then he'll, he'll have an excuse to to ride Dumbo again. Next question we had: We're heading down for the weekend of the Star Wars half marathon. <laughs> excuse me. So next question we have, we're heading down for the weekend of the Star Wars Half Marathon. How bad is the traffic, and how much time should we allow to get to the parks? Awful and a lot. Yeah, I don't know that there's like a, a window of time I'd be comfortable saying, and then, and then something happens. I think a couple things to be aware of here. Star Wars Half, not Star Wars Half Marathons, but marathons, marathon weekends in general bring a ton of people to Disney World. So, so you, you just what you typically have a mixture of for marathon weekends, and I don't know the exact date on this one, but that could play a role into my opinion here too. April, I believe. So it's there's probably some spring breaks in there too. All right. So, so on the weekends you have the Disney locals, you have the annual pass holders, you have a lot of people on their family vacation that that'll be there for a weekend. You have the spring breakers during you know that March, April into May time frame, and then you have the marathon runners, and on top of all of that. You have Disney alternating traffic routes to compensate and make space for the run. And so traffic is going to be really, really challenging, not just from a sheer number of cars standpoint, but actually maneuvering your way around Disney World because they will close some roads. So I would say make sure to research that. Be up to date on – and Disney's – they're fairly open about what they're doing. It's not its not like you, you don't know until the morning of. They'll share exactly alternate routes. If you're going to rely on Disney transportation, get there earlier than you would think. If you're going to drive yourself, that is certainly an option. I've always driven to and from the parks when my wife has run these races. It's a little challenging, but you you, you have to, again, you just kind of trust the trust. Ways is really good. They update um, and just be prepared to sit in some traffic and be prepared for extremely busy parks. When, and you got to remember too that these, you know, and I'm thinking specifically, we were down there for the for the the Walt Disney World Marathon in January. And, you know, these things bring 30, 40,000 people to run in them, plus everybody else that comes with them. So, you know, I can remember for me staying at a, we were staying at uh, Wilderness Lodge. It was really easy for me to get to any park but Animal Kingdom because I, I hopped on the boat there to Contemporary, was able to get on the monorail from there. Tom, you guys drove in and... That was, you know, Saturday morning of the half marathon. We were supposed to meet for breakfast at Garden Grill. And, and I was worried you guys weren't going to make it because I think you left, you know, we had a nine o'clock reservation, if I'm not mistaken. I think you guys left the hotel in the Disney Springs area by eight o'clock and just barely made it. So we had an 830 reservation, actually, because it was before the park opened. I think we left an hour ahead of time and just barely made it. And it was just it was just due to the traffic and the the different routes you were forced to take. You know, the most recent trip I took with my wife, it was a marathon weekend. And we while we slept in, we felt the crowds at Epcot that day. We felt the crowds just getting into the park at 10 30, 11 o'clock. So I know your question was specific to how much time should we allow to get to the parks. You need to also just be prepared to allow uh your your be patient in the parks. Be patient with attractions. Your fast pass selection will be will be tough. It's going to be really challenging. I would suggest on Saturday avoiding Epcot 
unless you are wanting to do the World Showcase. If you're going without kids, which we don't know the details behind your trip, Epcot's a great place to be. A lot of fun. But if you do have kids, I would probably go to like an Animal Kingdom and just stay completely away from all of it. Uh, Pete, I don't know if you want to add anything there. It, it actually, if you can get to Hollywood Studios that Saturday morning, because the race will be going on, there might be a smaller crowd that's trying to do Rise of Resistance and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. But it, but it's still going to be a mess wherever you go. I, and I would say minimum allow an hour. You know, where it would nowhere to take you 15 minutes to get to a park, I would say minimum allow an hour. All right, next question. We have a breakfast reservation at Ohana. Will they allow us to park at the Polynesian? Yes, they will. And I was thinking about this the other day, and this is way off topic here, but it costs $10 if you make a reservation and you don't go to that reservation, right? How much is parking at Disney World? $18 now? Listen, I've ta- I've said this a lot. I've said this on the podcast, I think. I've said it to my wife, and I don't even think about it as far as parking. So basically, if you if you make a reservation for one at – what's the restaurant upstairs? I mean, say you make it at, at uh, Chef Mickey's. That, I mean, because the contemporary would be an ideal per- place to park. Is it still just ten dollars even at Chef Mickey's? I don't. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I would assume so. So I, I know the restaurant, and it's 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 escaped me. I'll look it up what during the episode. But at the Polynesian upstairs near near Ohana, it's not Ohana. It's the other restaurant. Right okay. By. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Is it Kona Cafe? I think it's called Kona Cafe. That sounds right. So if you book there and, and cancel or, or no show, it's it's a ten dollar charge, I believe. And Pete, while I hear you on the, okay, then you jump on the monorail and you're at Magic Kingdom. I actually think about it from a Trader Sam's standpoint. You have your car, because they won't let you park there to go to Trader Sam's. Do you, so, do you really want to run the risk of parking at Trader Sam's, though? And then having a car to deal with after well, Trader sometimes Sam's? sometimes I'm with someone else who doesn't want to enjoy Trader Sam's to the fullest <laughs> like I do. But yeah, I, yeah, this is, you can park there. And that goes for any any resort you have a meal at. You can drive your car and park, you know, breakfast or dinner. Uh, I typically will drive to Boma whenever we eat there at Animal Kingdom uh, Lodge, and I have and I typically drive to Ohana when we eat there. And and do make sure you bring your Magic Band because when you get to the uh, when you get to the gate, typically the guard will scan your Magic Band to verify that uh, that you do have a reservation. Because for the longest time they weren't able to do that, and people would people would do that all the time. They would say, "Oh, we have a reservation at Chef Mickey's Park at the Contemporary." walk over to Magic Kingdom and, and avoid paying the parking fee. So they are getting smarter about that. They're scanning Magic Bands now. But uh, but yeah, short answer, yes, you can uh, park at the Polynesian if you have a breakfast reservation or any reservation. One more thing to add, if you don't have your Magic Band, while it's definitely the easiest to get in, if you just have that and they can scan it, you they will ask you then to pull up the app and show them your reservation, and then they'll match that against their, their records they can see. So they will check you. Don't try this just to say I have one and not have one, but Magic Band or your phone and have the app accessible for them. All right, next question. And this was really, really appropriate because I'm actually doing this. Uh, I bought a five-day ticket, but I'm considering upgrading to an annual pass. How do I do this? I haven't used the ticket yet, and I won't until April. So this is called ticket bridging. And uh, it, it's something that you don't find a whole lot of information on the Disney website about. I, I feel like a lot of smaller amusement parks, you know, I think about like a Carowinds or a, or a Six Flags. They always have signs up when you're leaving the parks that say 
Upgrade to an annual pass today for only $39. You don't see a whole lot of that at Disney, but but you can do it. So a couple of couple of caveats here. The first is that you have to do it before the the last day that you use the last day of your ticket ends. So if you have a five-day ticket, you have to do it before the end of the fifth day of your ticket. Once you're past that point, you you can't you can't do it anymore. Uh, there's two ways to do this. You can do it. Actually, there may be three ways. I think you can do it on Disney's website. I know you for a fact you can do it through the app, and I know for a fact that you can do it at guest services. Both of them are able to do it. Uh, but the process is is very simple. You you go into the app, you and, and you in effect upgrade your upgrade your ticket. Same with guest services. You you go to them and you tell them, hey, I want to upgrade my ticket into an annual pass. Uh, the only other caveat is that if you have the, what's the, um, if okay, if you buy a ticket, if you buy the the plus ticket that allows you to get into the water parks, and you have used a water park, you have to upgrade to a platinum plus. You can't just get a platinum annual pass. If you have a plus ticket and you haven't used a water park, you can just upgrade to the platinum pass. So there, it is kind of weird like that. Uh, but but basically how this works is Disney goes and they look at what ticket you have. So you said you have a five-day ticket. I don't know if that's a park hopper or if it's a park hopper plus or, or what exactly you have. Disney goes into their computer system and they see, okay, a five-day park hopper costs X dollars and they apply that uh, they apply that value to your annual pass. You pay them the rest and they give you an annual pass. You can use this to your advantage if you if you buy your tickets from a ticket discounter you know, that's $100 off gate or, or whatever, you can save some money on an annual pass doing this because Disney will give you full gate price credit on your annual pass. So if you buy a 10-day park hopper, Disney's price is $680, but you pay $500 for it, you've just saved $180 on your annual pass. Anything to add on that? I mean, that's I've done a lot of research on it because this is what I'm planning on doing when we get down there. Is, is upgrading my ticket to an annual pass. No, that was perfect. I mean, I, I'd always plan on letting Pete handle this question just because I know he's really, really spent some time researching it. And because as he mentioned, he, he's going to be doing that. You know, it, while 180 bucks on a $1,200 annual pass, for example, may not sound like a lot. I mean, it's still significant savings if you can, if you can manipulate it that way. And that's the route I, I, I would say you should go. The reason my wife and I did not go that route and we bought ours is because we wanted to buy them in February and not activate them in August. And the tricky thing would have been if we would have just added on to a prior trip, then they would have been activated from January. I think this is the time we'd gone prior to that. And, and I didn't mention that, but you're 100% right. The annual pass is activated as of the first day that you use that ticket. So you can't upgrade and then wait to activate it. If you go April 15th and that's the first day of your trip, your trip ends April 20th, your annual pass expiration date will be April 15th the following year. So perfect. Uh, that's well uh, thought out if, if for the listener that sent that in. If we didn't quite answer that as you were anticipating, or if you have any further questions, please reach back, reach back out to us. Uh, next question we had, Can I? you all have, have harped on mobile ordering. So can I mobile order a drink from Ogas? I don't believe I will have time in my day to go in, but I would love to try some of their drinks. So unfortunately, no, you cannot mobile order a drink at Oga's. Unfortunately or fortunately? Yeah, yeah, probably both. You know, I, I think 
Ogas Ogas is a really cool experience, and and it's probably best to keep that inside of Ogas. Uh, so you can't order a drink there. But what I will tell you, there are other stands within within Galaxy's Edge. So you have the milk stand, of course, where you could try a drink there. Um, they do serve that that same. Actually, they don't serve the alcoholic version of that milk in Ogas, but they serve blue and green milk in Ogas. And then over where you get your Ronto wrap, they have some drink selections in there. One of the drinks, the name is escaping me, but it reminds me very much of the Jet Juice. Uh, it is a drink with bourbon in it, if that gives gives you a hint when you look there. Um, if you go into Docking Bay 7, they also have unique drink offerings. You can mobile order drinks from all those places I've just named if you want to try some beverages inside of Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm I'm trying to remember, I think it's the Coruscant Cooler is what it's called at uh, at Rana Roasters. Yeah. So so th- if you want Star Wars themed beverages, you don't have to you don't have to go into Ogas to get them. But Ogas certainly has a unique offering. You, the fuzzy fun, the fuzzy tauntaun, for example, is probably the premier drink they offer from a popularity standpoint at Ogas. You cannot get that anywhere else except Ogas Cantina. Yeah, and and I say fortunately because I would spend a lot more money at, at Disney World, particularly at Hollywood Studios, if you could mobile order drinks from uh, from Ogas. So the next question we had. This is a bit of a doozy. We're going with 10 people. We are on our way. We're playing a Disney trip. We're going to go with 10 people and would like to ride Rise of Resistance. How can we all get a boarding group together? And can one person do this? So I'm going to, I'm going to break this down for you to the best of my knowledge. I did this with eight people. So if you want one person to book all 10 of your boarding passes, your boarding groups, first and foremost, you all have to be linked and friends on the Disney app. And this person has to have accessibility to change and make plans for every single person. If you have all that checked, then yes, you can. One person can do it all. And that whole entire group of 10 would be in a boarding group together. No guarantee it's going to be a boarding group that's one that they're going to make that day. But yes, guaranteed, if one person can control all 10, every, all 10 people in the party's plans, they can book boarding passes and it would be the same group for all 10 involved. If... For example, you go and there's a party of three and a party of four and a party of three and not everyone's linked and it's kind of kind of crazy. This is how my last trip was. Then one person from each of those respective parties will need to be on the app and will need to get a boarding group right when it opens. In this scenario, it's highly unlikely that you will be in a boarding group together. However, say seven of the 10 people got boarding group 40 and the last three got boarding group 80. Disney will honor, again, this is my experience. If I very nicely went up to the to the young woman working it, five of us were in one boarding group and three of us were in another. The three of us that were, were not in the same boarding group with the five, I, the phone kind of lagged out while we were trying to get on the boarding groups that morning. And so there was like a 20 or 30 boarding group difference. And I just walked up and I, I explained to Disney, I showed them both phones, both sets of boarding groups. Here's party for five. Here's party for three. We'd like to ride this together as a family. No problem. I will scan you in. Majority rules is what the what the young lady said to me. Five of you are in this one. We'll make it happen. And so, I think Disney will work with you uh, f- from that standpoint. Now, if if I went up there and said, "Hey, five of us have a boarding group, and the other three don't," I, I don't think that Disney would work up with us there. And I guess my question is: Do you think that you are more likely? I mean, does it matter that you're going with ten people? Is it like a fast pass where and and I don't think we can really answer this, but is it like a fast pass where ten people together is going to be harder to get than two people? I, who knows? They're not. They're not. They haven't been really transparent with with anything about these boarding groups. Yeah. The the other thing I would add is 
I mean, do, do all ten have? I guess you want them all in the same boarding group. You know, you also have this chance. Maybe if you if you don't if it's not one person making the plans for all ten people, you may have four of you get boarding group forty one and and six of you get boarding group forty eight, and you're probably going to catch the same window of time where you guys could ride together because there is a two hour block from when your boarding group is called. The the time the reason I went to the Disney cast members for our group is because we weren't going to catch the same window of time. And so it was imperative that we we go on the attraction at the same time. And the group of three, uh, two of them were actually going to leave the park and, and, and do something else in the afternoon. So it was important that we rode that together. But to answer your question, if you're all linked together and one person can make plans for 10 people, yes, you can uh, you can get a boarding group together and one person could do that. It will be challenging, but I would tell you that if it was two people trying to get a boarding pass. It's challenging to get a boarding pass. It's kind of luck of the draw. I, I view it as a lottery these days because – it used to be if you get there really, really early, you're going to be the first one to the park. You're going to get one. Now they allow, allow you know, they open the park 30 minutes early. There's a ton of people in there jockeying for the same boarding passes. So it, it truly is a lottery now. Doesn't matter if you got there at 6 a.m. and scanned in at 6:32, and another person got there at 6:50 and scanned in at 7 a.m. You have the same chance of getting a boarding group. Good answer. All right. Well, let's move on to the next question. And I'm going to kind of handle these next two together. First question, can you still use magic bands if you aren't staying on property? And then kind of in combination with that, can I purchase a magic band and link a credit card to it even though I'm not staying on property? So yeah, you absolutely can still use magic bands if you are not staying on property. And in fact, I I would strongly recommend it. It's just one less thing to keep track of, right? If if you don't have a magic band, you get a card. You have to have that card for fast passes. You have to have it to get into the parks. It's it's really just a pain, especially if you think, oh, I got to put this in my wallet. I got to take it out. The magic band, you don't think about it, right? You put it on your wrist and you go. And magic bands are what? $12? In the grand scheme of things, that's not that much for convenience at Disney. Well worth it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Pete. I, I don't think there should be any reason you don't purchase a magic band. If you have twelve ninety nine to 15 bucks sitting around, I think you should grab a magic band. And, and not only that, you can use magic bands from your previous trips. So if you have some old magic bands laying around, now I don't know if you can use the old, old magic bands, but if you have any old magic band 2.0s laying around, and they're, they're still valid. Uh, but but yeah, the, the way you do this is you, you simply purchase a magic band. It's got a little number on the back of it. You go into the My Disney Experience app or on the Disney website, and you link the magic band to your account. And at that point... All your fast passes, all your plans, your dinner reservations, your park tickets, all that's on that magic band. The second part of that, can I purchase a magic band and link a credit card to it? Unfortunately, no, you cannot. And this is this is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because God, it's really hard to keep track of what you're spending at the parks if you if you're not having to constantly pull out a credit card if you're able to do it through a magic band. Disney's answer to this is that you are effectively when you charge through a magic band, you're effectively charging to your room and then that's all settled at the end of the at the end of the trip. So you're not really charging through a magic band. Disney's not running your card, you know, every time you buy something with your magic band. I, I don't know why they're not or why that's not something they do, but they're effectively charging it to your room. And then they're settling it at the end of the trip. So that's why they don't let you do it if you're not staying on property. One other thing I'd like to add here. So Pete mentioned you can use an older magic band as long as you're, it's for you. So if you had a magic band linked to, to for I'll use me as an example, a magic band linked to Tom, I can't give that to Pete and let him link it to his name. It, it can only be an old magic band that you have previously used for your trip. So 
And even if I have three sitting around at the house, I can't divvy them up to my friends and say, hey, you know what? Don't worry about buying one. Just take my old one. It has to, whoever originally pairs with that magic band, it'll forever be paired to that name and that account. That's that's one note of clarification. Yeah, they, they, and they, they can't change it. Like there's no, I don't think there's any, even a function to let them do that. Is there? So I've seen one time where they've changed it. My, my wife and I went to Disney, uh, stayed on property prior, uh, when we were just dating, uh, went down to Disney and, and her magic band said her, obviously had her maiden name on it. And when we went on another trip as Mary, as married couple, we were going to go stay, you know, at, at Disney Springs or something like that. And it wouldn't let me link her magic band to her, her new last name, basically. And so I had to call Disney and they made an exception here, but they said it's only the only exception they can make and move that magic band around through accounts is, is through marriage. If, if you actually have a name change, but it still has to be the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense, right? I mean, they don't, they don't want people trying to change magic bands around to share tickets or anything like that. So that makes sense. So our next question is a doozy. A double doozy, probably. I take it this person is going to Hollywood Studios for one day and one day only, based on their question. How would you plan your day to ride the following attractions? So Rise of Resistance, Smuggler's Run, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, Slinky Dog, Tower of Terror, and Rock and Roller Coaster. Is it even possible? So I would tell you, yes, it is possible. And my answer is probably going to surprise you. I think it's easier than you think it is. I think you have to get lucky. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. So let, let's let I'll play it out. Here's how I would do it if I were you to give yourself the best chance to hit all of those attractions. I'd get to the park 30 minutes before park opening. I think I think before that you have to go fast passes. Oh, true. Okay, so so you I'm fast. I mean, you you can get a Tower Terror and a Rock and Roller Coaster fast pass along with Mickey and Minnie, Smuggler's Run or Slinky Dog, right? So let's say we get Let's say we get Slinky Dog, Tower of Terror, and Rock and Roller Coaster or Fast Passes. Those three are now done. I would probably, uh, and I, I would honestly at this point probably get Mickey and Minnie, Tower of Terror, and Rock and Roller Coaster. I'm doing worst case. Yeah, I, I think Mickey and Minnie is a harder one to get. That's why I'm saying if you if you get you get you get a Slinky, so those three are now going to be done. So now going to the morning of, I'm get I'm getting into the park first thing in the morning. I am on the app right when it possibly right when it possibly opens to get a boarding group. So say we're fortunate there. It is going to be lucky for you to get a boarding group. But say you get the boarding group, then you go straight to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and you wait in that, we wait and stand by. You then are probably going to start hitting your fast passes as the day goes on. You've got your rise boarding pass kind of sitting there in the background that you're going to have an opportunity to hit. I wait until, if you're going to be there the full day, I wait until 20 minutes before park closed to go ride smugglers if I can't get a fast pass for it during the day. So or, you ride, scenario, or you ride single rider. Or you go single rider where you're going to be an engineer. But if you want to do it with your party, I wait until the end of the day to do smugglers. And so in that scenario, I actually think by by midday, you've done everything except smugglers run. I agree. I agree. And, you know, again, if you get a Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway Fast Pass, you go straight to Slinky Dog. And, and you stand in, you know, however long the line is for Slinky Dog. But do not go straight to smugglers run. No, 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 no. Because if you go straight to smugglers run – you're going to miss one of the other two rides. Smugglers Run, the line will get down. I mean, I've seen it at 30 minutes. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't even strive to get a Smugglers Run Fast Pass. If you get it, that's fine. But you want a Slinky Dog or a Mickey Minnie Runaway Railway. And in a perfect world, you probably want a Slinky Dog 
See, I think you want a Mickey and Minnie. Right, in because, a perfect world, you probably want a Mickey and Minnie because yeah. you can maybe beat the crowd to Slinky. Yes. And then you have Mickey and Minnie in the back pocket. You know you're going to do Smuggler's Run at nighttime because that is when that tends to die down back there. You have your Fast Pass for the for the other ones, uh, and then you have your boarding pass for Rise. You you know what you know what I'm going to tell you this if you if if you can for, if you're fortunate enough to get the Fast Pass that we laid out and you can get a Rise boarding pass, you're going to have time to do Star Tours, and you may be fortunate enough to grab a Toy Story Mania as well. Well, but I think that if you if you head straight back to Slinky, realistically, I think you can. You know, you go to wait in line for Slinky. I think you have time to hit Toy Story Mania and Alien Swirling, Alien Swirling Saucers back there before the crowds really hit. I really do. I'll, and I'll, again, if you wait for Toy Story Land late at night, I, I'll give you a prime example. Seven thirty, Park closed at 9 the other night when I was there. Maybe 8. Maybe it was 6.30 I was walking. An hour and a half before, before Park closed. I walked past, we walked past a, a five-minute wait at Alien Swirling Saucers and a 10-minute wait at Toy Story Mania. Yeah. Yeah. So- and. and Slinky Dog and Mickey and Minnie are not going to die down like that. Everything else, yeah. everything else will. I think if you see Mickey and Minnie in, at sixty minutes and Slinky at that sixty to seventy minute, maybe fifty minutes for Slinky, that's probably a good standby way. That's as low as it's going to get. So yeah, it's possible. And please let us know if if you go with our plan and if it works. I mean, follow up with us because that that's a that's a that's a heck of a day at Hollywood Studios. I'm jealous. So we had this question come up. And I thought this was an interesting question, so I actually had to research this a little bit. Question is, I know we can't bring loose ice into the parks, but can I bring ice packed in Ziploc bags into the parks? Surprisingly, yes, you can. So the the reason that uh, that Disney gives for not allowing loose ice into the parks is it's a sanitation issue, right? They want their security folks to be able to check out your coolers, and they don't want them digging through ice. Now, obviously, it's a, it's really easy to hide stuff in ice, so that could be a kind of secondary effect, but they will allow you if you pack ice in Ziploc bags and then put them inside the cooler, they will allow you to bring ice in that way. Yeah, that's I didn't know the answer to that question either. So I'm glad that Pete did the research and that uh, we had someone ask it. So because someone else, guys, Pete is absolutely right. If you thought of it, somebody else has thought of it. So I'm sure that that helps answer a question for a lot of people. And only only packing of ice thing. I, I saw something at Disney the other day. That I thought it was genius. A, f- a family of four was eating lunch at Satuli Canteen. And I will say that for little ones, like three to five years old, that may not be the best restaurant just because it's a unique menu. So the mom um, apparently packed and, and made sandwiches for the kids. And when she was passing out sandwiches, she goes, oh, man, we forgot dad's sandwich. And so the dad was actually eating a Satuli Canteen like steak bowl, right? But I'm sitting there thinking they just saved themselves. There's oh, a family yeah, actually they had bucks. three kids. They had three kids. So they saved themselves 40 to $50 by bringing in PB&Js. And, you know, it actually did. I mean, the mom, of course, ate a PB&J with the kids. But I'm sitting there thinking, that's a really good way to pack a little mini cooler, a snack bag, and save some money at Disney. So, Tom, I mean, you're you're the book bag guy, right? You always have a book bag when you go, when you go into the parks, right? Are you going to bring that, in a lunch next time? For myself or when I have kids one day? No, for yourself. Should we pack? Should we pack lunches on this next trip that we're going? I will. On? I will say I always bring in snacks like Cliff bars and and peanut butter crackers, and I always bring in a few bottles of water. I don't know if I'm gonna. I, I might. I might because I've spent some serious cash at Disney here lately. I might bring in a PB and J on our Epcot day or something. Do Do you and and just going back to the to the uh, the book bag thing? I mean, Disney's generally pretty accommodating. Like I I never take a bag in ever. Like I try to go with. 
like literally, I try to leave my wallet. I try to go in with my magic band, a credit card, an ID, and a cell phone, and that's it. So I mean, but they're, you're pretty. They're pretty accommodating with that as far as getting on rides and stuff, right? I mean, there's, you know what? The only ride that almost sticks out at, for me is Mission Space because sometimes they let you just put it down to your legs, and that's totally fine. But sometimes they force you to put it in that compartment in the front, and it doesn't. It doesn't fit very well because uh, I, I bring a full size book bag. But yeah, every other attraction is great, man. And and I don't mind being the book bag carrier for the group because I, I usually, I guess I'm particular. I want to make sure I have a few backup phone batteries. I want to make sure that I bring in a couple bottles of water for myself. And so I'm sometimes, depending on the weather, I may bring a hoodie in or something and not want to wear it all day. So I don't mind. And then when we go, no, it doesn't matter what group people we go for. It. My wife's always willing to take carry it for a little while. It, it floats around on people's back usually. Yeah, no, I agree. It does. It does. And it's, it's nice to have, it's nice to have one. I mean, I don't know which, what would you do with a cooler all day though? I guess, I guess you could, you could put it in a locker. I, so I've seen, I, I've seen people with coolers. I've actually seen a guy carry, I watched him. I knew he had vodka in his cooler and he got straight into Epcot with it. I mean, I was sitting on the Skyliner with him and he was mixing a drink on the Skyliner. It was incredible. That's ridiculous. I, I just, I got behind him in security and I was like, let's see how they handle this. Sure enough, went straight through security with it. Slid right in, huh? Slid right in with it, yep. Saw him later that night, and you could tell he brought vodka in the park with him that day. Well, and I mean, you see people people sneaking stuff into the park. I mean, we had we had some people behind us on Spaceship Earth that were burning some kind of uh, pungent herb. You know what? I think, you know, with the um, vape pens or whatever they are now, I think it just has become that much easier for but, for. But doesn't Disney, Disney doesn't allow that. Um, there must be a way they? to sneak them in. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you used to see a lot more people smoking in the park. And then they would they would go to a quote-unquote hidden area to do it. But, you know, especially in the parking lots, you would you would see it a lot more. I, I feel like you don't really see it as much or smell it as much in the parks anymore, which is, which is kind of nice. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right. Well, anything else uh, on these questions? That is it for me. All right. Cool. Again- Thank you guys for sending these in. Please continue to send them in and we'll continue to answer them. On to the trivia question, the secret of the week. What do we got? So secret of the night, did you know Astro Orbiter was originally called something else? On opening day, or not on opening day, I'm sorry. When it opened in Tomorrowland in 1974, it was called Star Jets. The attraction was later redesigned and reopened in April of 1994 as Astro Orbiter. And that is what we know it as today. Again, that redesign and reopening was part of the complete renovation of Tomorrowland. And so um, I've always known it as Astro Orbiter, but it was interesting to know that it was at one time called Star Jets. Going to the trivia question of last week, I asked you guys, what are the two original Disney Resort hotels? Quite a few of you got this one correct. Uh, the Polynesian and the Contemporary Resort opened in 1971 when Walt Disney World opened. So those were the two original hotels. At the time, there were actually plans and drawings for a Asian-themed resort that would later open. But that site eventually became home to what we now know as the Grand Floridian, and that opened on June 28, 1988. Going to the trivia question of this week, this is brought to you by Pete. Uh, he, he sent me this trivia question. Uh, trivia question, what is the slowest thrill ride, excluding Goofy's Barnstormer, in the Magic Kingdom? So again, slowest thrill ride, excluding Goofy's Barnstormer in the Magic Kingdom. You can tweet us at Mendu WW podcast or email us at Mendu WDW at gmail.com with your guesses. I uh, look forward to seeing what people think on this one. This is this is a good one. 
All right. Well, that's all we have for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at WDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendoww at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Also, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash WDW. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.